All right, welcome to Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're doing kind of like a sequel to last week's episode where we did Searching, but uh, we'll get into that in a second. First, want to remind you all, make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, on Pocket Casts, Stitcher. You can do it on Spotify. They're doing a big push on podcasts right now, so if you're not actually subscribed yet, you're just listening to this as a one-off that would be a good place to go subscribe. That would be cool. And you could also rate and review us on iTunes and follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group. But uh, enough about that. What has been going on? Uh, it was just my birthday. That was fun. Um, I got a, a sweet light up Piecing It Together sign for my studio here. That's awesome. You can check a picture of that out on my Facebook. <laughs> and... Uh, what else is going on? Saw Stars Born, which was awesome. I'm hoping to do an episode on that soon. And I uh, went to the Laughlin International Film Fest where my music video Artificial was playing. And uh, that was great to see that on the big screen again. And also saw a bunch of other great films. And um, yeah, it's been, been, been a good week. And uh, now I'm happy to be bringing you uh, the second episode I did with Jacob Toronto from ChasingCinema.com. This is A Simple Favor, which as the marketing has called it, is the darker side of Paul Feig. Uh, this is a mystery film uh, about a girl whose new best friend goes missing, and uh, things are not as they seem in this otherwise picturesque, beautiful little town. Um, it's a really good movie. I, I have my issues with it, which we get into during the episode, but overall, it's definitely a movie worth going to check out. Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively are like at the top of their game in this, and uh, it was a lot of fun to talk about, and so let's just jump into the conversation. With us again is Jacob Toronto from Chasing Cinema. How you doing, man? How you doing, sir? I'm all right. Uh, we uh, recently did searching. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when I say recently, I mean we just did searching uh, again. <laughs> I was I'm, say it was a blast. I wanted to come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I don't like to hide too much from my audience, gotcha, and so gotcha. yeah, let let you guys all out there that are listening know we recorded these back to back. But um, I don't know when I'm releasing them. I might even release them backwards. I'm crazy like that, yeah, you know. But but we did for good reason. We did these back to back. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think that. Uh, a simple favor and searching. We're going to end up with uh, a few of the same yeah, uh, puzzle pieces and stuff because uh, we got two two good mystery movies um, that came out pretty close to each other. And I think I don't know. They're they're both good movies, and we're going to get into them today. And I'm glad to have you back on the show, well, man. Thank you, sir, for having me again. And I'm really excited. And another equally good movie and, and solid movie worth talking about. Absolutely. Uh, so as we get into the darker side of Paul Feig, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is your first puzzle piece? My first puzzle piece, um, which I'm sure you have on your list too, and it kind of is. I'm going to dive right in and bring us back to searching as well as Gone Girl. Absolutely. Um, you know. Gone Girl uh, really, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was the first in this kind of huge trend of these really heavy mystery um, movies that are based off novels that have these really kind of outrageous, um, you know, really thick 
plotted and twist endings. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gone Girl is one that everyone kind of names. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone was saying, I, I mean, I think even at CinemaCon, so I went to CinemaCon last year. I don't know if you've ever been to CinemaCon when it's here at Caesars. A long um, time ago, yeah. So uh, Blake Lively, Anna Kendrick, and Paul Feig were there doing promotion. And, um, you know, during their talking, that was kind of brought up a lot, you know, especially in the press conference, which I have video of if anyone wants to check out on the website. Uh, nice. On our YouTube channel uh, or ChasingCinema.com. And, uh, you know, everyone was kind of asking, so is this Gone Girl with comedy? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's 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 a way that you could describe it to somebody because it is so much like that movie. Yeah. But also, I mean, I guess for modern audiences, because and I'm sure we're going to get into it, is that it's Simple Favor is much more than just this kind of replication of these you know, these mysteries with these really twisted endings, um, not in terms of sick, but just like in plot twists. Uh, but I mean, also just reflection in, in these mysteries throughout, throughout cinema, and, yeah. you know, history in general. Absolutely. Um, and I, I'll add to that, um, because I had a, a combo here. I had gone girl and the girl on a train. Yeah. That was one of mine too. So. Yeah. So I, we might as well just do them together because yeah, yeah they're very much that similar kind of thing. Um, I actually checked to see if Jillian Flynn wrote this, <laughs> if this yeah. is based off of like a lighter version of something she had written or something. Yeah, and you what's know? interesting is that I guess the book is played straight. Like yeah. it doesn't have these kind of really strong elements of humor. That's interesting. Like, you know, more like the Jillian Flynn type stuff than than actually the movie's played out and so i'm interested i would be interested to go re- check out the novel yeah and to see how different it is in i did read tone. that anna kendrick's character is a little more um not so much uh cute weird but like weird weird okay uh, yeah so i don't know but yeah no I, i'm sure which is definitely interesting. there are these things that she does that are quite weird but they do play her off more like an like an awkward girl yeah absolutely yeah. And and I guess we might as well mention that. I mean, she's absolutely great in this. Um, I think this movie works so well on the strength of her performance. Um, this is, I mean, I would almost go as far as to say this is like the most Anna Kendricky character that she yeah. has played. You know? No, yeah, I would argue this is probably her best performance. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just before we start, I was telling him I have a huge crush on Anna Kendrick. Yeah. And, you know, luckily, I was lucky enough to meet her uh, twice at CinemaCon promoting uh, now this. And uh, I believe it was two years ago when she did, um, oh man, the movie's name I'm forgetting. Uh, Mike and Dave need dates or wedding need oh, yeah. wedding dates that or was, something along those lines. That was actually kind of fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but she was promoting both of those. And as much as I like have this huge crush on her, most of the time I'm not a fan of her work. I yeah. do not like the Pitch Perfect movies. Right. Which everyone seems to be. And somehow I've managed to watch multiple times, <laughs> even though I don't like. Uh, I've avoided the third one successfully. Um, in Trolls, you know, that's cute. But this is a movie that really, I think, shows her ability and her kind of uh, versatility. You know, to really be that funny kind of comedic, which we've usually seen her as in, in most of her performances, but also this kind of darker, uh, more serious tone. Uh, she plays it very light uh, and plays it in a way that I think is, is pretty unique because even in like these smiles and these cute girl next door um, uh, antics, she still kind of has this lingering, you know, uh, danger about yeah. her. And, and obviously I think that's, I mean, that's obviously, you know, the work of Paul Feig and in the, in the script and everything too. But I think she plays that off well enough to where she seems like someone you just want to hug, but you're also kind of like, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really well, really I would good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Well, uh, my next puzzle piece actually, again, goes right along with those first, uh, first combined two. Um, and that is the, uh, HBO series, big little lies. Okay, nice. Uh, yeah, which, uh, and not only because of the mystery and all that, but um, 
also like the settings and everything like that. I mean, it's like this like this perfect cinematic version of like the perfect life and everything yeah. like that, but with, you know, mystery behind the scenes and with, you know, something bad happening, you know. I am great with movies. I'm awful with television. Oh yeah. And I'm like that guy who's like, "Oh, I'm going to add it to my list." And my yeah. list like starts with Daredevil yeah. on Netflix, like how far behind I am on just so many shows. Big Little Lies is obviously one of them. Yeah. Um and, and I've heard great things, so I, I definitely got to check this out. I I'm actually the same way as you. Uh this is one of the few shows that I've managed to finish, <laughs> you know. Um It's uh, not far in either, right? It's only on its second season. Is it is It's going to be its second season okay, coming up, so which I, I think one. is going to be one of those like anthology things. I don't know if it's a continuation. Oh, okay, it's not a continuation. I'm not entirely sure because it seems like it was a completed story. I don't okay. really know where it would go. Um, that but doesn't stop them before. That's true. That's absolutely <laughs> but true. You know, HBO, usually HBO knows yeah. what they're doing. So. That didn't stop them halfway <laughs> through uh, this movie we're talking about. <laughs> so, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, no, Big Little Lies. Uh, not, not like I said, not only the mystery, but also the the setting. I mean, it, this is a. Uh, this little like town that they're in is like so gorgeous and the houses are so amazing and everything is so uh it's like yeah it's just that lifestyle you know and you know and then just over and not even so much as in like in in terms of environment but aesthetic is super important in this movie it really is reflective of of character i mean the way the character's dress is really important Mm -hmm. and it and it really kind of i mean there's that great scene where anna kendrick is trying on blake lively's dress after she's i believe after her the body is found. Yeah, it's like right after. Yeah, and she puts on that dress, and it, you know, it really kind of talks to this idea that Anna Kendrick is trying to become yeah. Emily and this character, and you know, obviously, it becomes a gag that she can't get it off. Which, yeah, which works, and I think it's so cool that Paul Feig has found a place where he could do something that's really kind of like unnerving. Yeah, she would put on this hurt like her who she says is her best friend, which yeah. we don't really know how much truth there is to that. Yeah, but she does have this affection towards her. To put on her dress after death is just this really eerie thing to do, but then to make it a comedy gag of like, oh, I can't get it off. Yeah. You know, this is is quite talented. You know, I've always been a fan of Paul Feig. I think he really pumps out some great comedies. Me too. There's a lot of great stuff. He's also done some movies that I'm not crazy about, Mm -hmm. but hearing this and then it was just so funny because they showed um, a sizzle reel of it at CinemaCon and... I was like, oh man, like Paul Feig went super dark and there really aren't any elements. There weren't elements of the comedy right, in there right. at all. And then he comes out and he's like, yeah, this is going to be a great comedy. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. like, what is he talking about? <laughs> he must have shown the wrong movie. Right. right, right. Uh, but he really found a great balance in that. But I'm getting off track. But the aesthetic is really, really big, you know. The way that her house looked, the way, I mean, Blake Lively has some of the most, you know, I mean, I'm sure this movie won't make it to kind of get talked about as far as costume design, but her outfits are picked out very, very, absolutely you know, intricately. Like, and there are so many little elements there. And obviously Anna Kendrick playing like the mommy vlogger with her aprons and all of these, like, you know, mommy. I mean, th- these are very, very small decisions that were made, but that really kind of push the movies I, uh, um, points and, and characters even further. Yeah, you know that's actually a good point about costume design. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. I I mean it wouldn't be that far fetched. I mean it's kind of uh, for award you know consideration for that because I mean yeah she is just impeccable. Yeah. You know, I it's, mean usually we go for like the the medieval stuff, sure, the stuff yeah. that's all time stuff. So yeah, uh, I mean I don't know it was it was a Suicide Squad. No, no, that was <laughs> hair and makeup was that nominated for that? So you never know. I mean yeah. <laughs> anything goes now. Yeah, that's true. Um, but no, I do think that you know I think while the you know maybe there they were the most you know out like you know unbelievably designed outfits the, the fact that they're chosen very precisely yes exactly makes a difference exactly 
All right, so uh, what's your uh, next puzzle piece? So um, I'm, I don't know if we're going to share these. We, we probably will. Um, but my next puzzle piece was mentioned in the movie, and it's a movie that was used as a verb. <laughs> um, at one point, I believe uh, the character of Henry Golding says she's gaslighting you. So mm-hmm. gaslighting is a movie that I, I'm going I'm to put on this list. Okay. Obviously yeah. kind of a noir classic film um, about this woman who is murdered. For those people who have not seen it, I believe it was in the 40s. Um, a woman who is murdered and then a new couple moves into the house and the woman starts hearing things and seeing things and her husband just assures her that she's going crazy and I don't want to spoil it. Mm-hmm. I know we're going to talk about Simple Famous Boys, but this is a movie you should probably go check out if you've not seen. And, you know, gaslighting has become this term, but I mean, obviously I think this is a wink to that movie. Yeah, yeah. A, a classic noir, a classic conspiracy, you know, something that really, really reflects this whole twist and plot. You know, the whole movie is trying to figure out how is this working? And what's great is that instead of two characters, like Gone Girl, more reflective in a girl on a train. We have three characters that we're constantly bouncing off of. Yeah, yeah. And we're trying to figure out how this puzzle, or you know, and again, no pun intended, <laughs> how this puzzle's working. Yeah. Uh, and you know, um, Gaslight really just kind of revolves around the distrust between two people, um, and whether or not um, one of them are being faithful and honest to each other. And here, you know, that's not so much the case with. Uh, I mean, it is to a degree of, with Blake Lively and Henry Golding, but it's more between the relationship between Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. Sure. Are they being honest? Are they really in this relationship that's honest and, and true? And obviously we find out that's not the case, but um, it really is kind of back to that conspiracy. And then we have these illusions of making Anna Kendrick think she's going crazy. Yeah, you know, yeah. No, nope, you're not. You're hearing things. You're seeing things. And obviously she's not. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I actually have never seen Gaslight, but I Not certainly I certainly know of it. And uh, yeah, no, the, the way that she's starting to, you know, crack a little bit and everything, it totally makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, there's so and you could and obviously my next puzzle piece is reflective of that, too. But I mean, you could just go on and on with these these movies from the 40s and the 50s that are really reflective here. Yeah, I, I think that's what Paul Feig is probably going yeah, after absolutely. is that that kind of a North fill. Um, right on. Uh, my next puzzle piece is actually the talented Mr. Ripley, um, which is another movie about, you know, it's a a new friendship and there's, uh, you know, questions of whether or not the person is who they, you know, say they are also the homoerotic, uh, you know, uh, undertones of, of the story. And, uh, you know, is that where this is going or is it not, you know, and, uh, yeah, and also like one of my favorite movies. <laughs> yeah, no, a very, very good movie, and interesting that that one didn't even come to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that you could definitely start point pointing out kind of the 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 similarities in their friendship and uh, the friendship between Emily and Stephanie and a simple favor. It's a very good one. Right on, right on. Yeah, and uh, also I guess I didn't even think about this, but like I was just saying about the uh, with Big Little Lies about the the beautiful settings. I mean, obviously, yeah. talented Mr. Ripley oh, has yeah, that absolutely. as well. You know. Yeah. No, setting matters. Yeah. So my next one also is used in uh, referenced in the movie directly and as a verb as well. I believe it uses a verb, but Anna Kendrick is like running and she's like, oh, "Is it? Are you guys trying to double leak me? Don't double leak me." <laughs> uh, so it's double leak, uh, which is a French film, which I can't pronounce the the the, the more French title, uh, but a very very intricate story, you know, about a love triangle in which um, a wife and a mistress uh, agree to. Uh, 
take out the the husband. Yeah. Um, and you know, through some crazy events, you find out that that might not be the case. Someone someone comes up who looks very much like the husband after the husband is is, is dead and his body goes missing, and uh, then some other stuff is revealed again. Um, assuming that maybe some people listening have not seen it, I don't want to spoil it because I think it's another one really to go kind of check out. And, you know, sure. I'm a big advocate for the, you know, for classic and oh, great. For classic yeah. cinema. So I, I always try not to, you know, I, I advise you to go see it and kind of go see this one more than I think Gaslight um, really reflects the kind of conspiracy and all that here. Um, and again, when like, I think to be so obvious to, to really reference it in the movie and to point out these specific yeah. noir films, um, you know, is really deliberate. And I think that one really is a great representation of a simple favor. Um, just because of, again, we're constantly looking at mistrust and, and who is involved. And, you know, the idea of Emily and Stephanie teaming up against um, Henry Golding's character, Sean, comes up. Yeah. Uh, but it's constantly people everyone is trying to pick a side yeah and sometimes <laughs> most of the time it's two on one but they constantly have to bounce back and forth to side to side to make sure they get out you know in the clear everyone's trying to get out on their own so sure sure absolutely yeah no that's great i, I love that um like the joke of that reference um i mean it's clearly there for those of you who yeah. are big classic you know movie fans <laughs> yeah, you know absolutely. yeah and it you know and, and i think it kind of goes back to just this is a case of a guy who loves movies, making movies. You Absolutely. Know? Uh, obviously having to do with ghosts. I mean, going back to Ghostbusters, which I won't get into whether, you know, obviously, <laughs> I mean, I know that opens up a lot of wounds for some people. Um, but I mean, yeah, this is a guy who loves movies and, you know, to throw those those classic movie references is, 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 is unique enough to where some people will be like, huh, gaslighting is a little bit more of a, a, a oblique reference where Dabalik is is pretty like, oh no, it's this, she, I think she even explains that it's this movie from the forties. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely feels like this is a movie made by a movie lover. And I guess I should just admit, I am a Ghostbusters defender yeah. um, <laughs> of the, the, the Paul Feig. Yeah, 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 of course. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I think it's not as bad as people make it out to be. It's it's pretty dumb, yeah. no question, but it's a lot of fun. I no, think. I agree with you. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely on the t- I'm definitely more on the pro side. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I, it's not a movie that I think that I would like go to the death for. You know, or anything yeah. that means. But it's it's a movie that I'm just like, come on, man. Like, I mean, yeah. you have some of the best female best, some scratch that you have some of the best comedians working in Hollywood right now yeah. teaming up. And while the script doesn't always give them. Uh, the best material to work with, I think they still manage to kind of bring out the energy. I mean, I'm a huge Leslie Jones fan. Sure, sure. Um, and obviously that was a bummer, just like all that going into that movie. Oh, like, yeah. You know, and and she is someone that totally just deserves like the best because she is so good. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I get it. You know, it's, it's it, people feel very territorial of, of things of the past. And I always try to point out that, you know, like everyone, everyone always says things back in the day were better, but we always have to remember that. Well, back in the day, we were all younger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So everything, of course, when we were younger is better, right? Sure. So, um, well, granted, I, I would say, does the does the the recent Ghostbusters will stand the test of time like the 1980s Ghostbusters? No, eh. but I don't <laughs> I don't have any problem the fact that it's there. Exactly, exactly. And I did not mean to defend Paul Feig as a setup to now when I get into a couple of puzzle pieces that were <laughs> a little bit lesser, you know. Yeah, absolutely. For, yeah. But but that is kind of where the direction is going here. Um, my my next puzzle piece, uh, I feel like this movie, a simple favor. Um, is kind of... Now, the ultimate, that's a compliment, 
the ultimate lifetime movie. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, so it is not so much uh, the biggest compliment in the world. But, um, you know, it, it, it's got all the telltale signs of a movie you would see on Lifetime with, with you know, beautiful women, beautiful setting, a friend gets murdered, friend lies, uh, stealing the it husband. It's a really glossy HD film. Yeah, and that too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, th- this is like the rare movie that's meant to be uh, with the, uh, the, 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 what is it, the HD smoothing turned on? Yeah. On yeah. the TV, yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah right. Smoothing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and and uh, again, like, I mean, the, most of this movie. I mean, we haven't really gotten into it that much yet, but um, most of this movie I did like quite a lot. But as it continues on, it starts to get a little ridiculous towards the ends, and what you know, we'll get into that more as we continue to talk. But um, yeah, I mean, that to me, that's indicative of a lot of Lifetime movies, and it seems like it takes a lot of cues from those kinds of movies. Yeah, no, and I mean, you know, I'm not gonna lie, even though you know some would call me a film snob, I do catch myself, you know, watching uh, the Lifetime Movie Network every now and then, just mm-hmm. kind of seeing what's going on. I'll just get roped in. You yeah, know? and uh, I watch with my girlfriend <laughs> so all the time. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> um, but no, they're they're of course the the melodramatic, like over the top elements mm-hmm. are, are definitely replicated there, um, and uh, you know, of course, just these. And you know, and I guess what's so funny is that. Gone Girl, Girl on a Train, these types of movies do really take something that you would see in a Lifetime movie. Yeah. But they just uh, seem to have either better performances, better screenwriters. You sure. Know, someone to, to make it kind of believe, be more a little bit believable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, you know, because, I mean, I'm sure you could take a plot from a, a Lifetime movie. And, I, and I've, we've talk, I've talked about this a few times with a few people. Like, I'm sure you take a plot and you put two big names in there rather than these people you have playing it in Lifetime, yeah. and you release it wide, the movie does well. And yeah. people don't snob it like, oh, it's a Lifetime movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's... It's, it's, it's so it's true. A, it's, so, it's very hypocritical. I mean, yeah. granted, I'm not saying that they, they deserve that kind of praise, but it, I think it kind of just goes to the fact that, you know, people just assume where it comes out of, they kind of just give it that, that yeah. you know, that, that it's below me type deal. Yeah. And there's certainly been a few Lifetime movies I've liked as well, so I yeah. should throw well, that out well, there. Well, I remember, <laughs> I mean, I feel like as a kid, you know, my mom, I mean, my mom had Lifetime on all the time, so I watched yeah. a ton of Golden Girls growing up, and I know we're getting really off topic, but I also remember, <laughs> like, a lot of the Lifetime movies were really dark. I remember they showed one called Hide and Seek, mm-hmm. um, I believe was the name, and Jennifer Tilly was in it, and they kidnapped this pregnant woman, and they want her to, uh, they want to take the baby, uh, and it was really, really dark, and I was like, man, this is really heavy to be on, t-. I mean, I wasn't thinking that now, but yeah, looking yeah. back now, you know, I was really freaked out as a kid, but looking back now, I was like, man, that's super heavy, and now it's, <laughs> it's a little, like, I, it has that glossy feel, it doesn't feel feel is kind of dark and dangerous but there are a few where i'm like oh, okay yeah this would totally work in the mainstream you put two actors in there right right <laughs> nice all right so what's your uh, next puzzle piece? so my next puzzle piece again um follows the same genre of kind of where i'm going this one wasn't re- referenced and i'm really bummed out because this has to be um an example of a movie that i watched once on a recommendation and I fell in love with it mm-hmm. and I've kind of been you know I've talked about it all the time but it's a movie like I don't even own but because I was hoping for a blu-ray transfer or a criterion release but it's called Lever to Heaven and uh, it's made in 1945 and it's uh, Gene Tierney and Gene Tierney has to be the 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 model of Emily uh Blake mm-hmm. Lively's character in a simple favor because um she is so uh calculated so the movie really kind of follows this writer who falls in love with a young woman and um very quickly he realizes that she wants all of his time 
Mm-hmm. And a big part of the movie is that he has a younger brother um, who is handicapped and is in a wheelchair. And um, I won't say how, but his brother ends up dead mm-hmm. in the movie. And it really just kind of becomes about this woman's obsession and her and her uh, manipulation and calculation that really just create her as like one of the ultimate evils. Also, um, you know, a very kind of what brings Vincent Price into the mainstream around the early 40s. And he really okay. gets his name in there. He plays a, a lawyer in the movie. Um, but a very, very great movie. I mean, I can't recommend it enough. It's a bit hard to track down now. Um, the only way I've seen it is like sold in three packs with a, a double indemnity. A movie right. that you could also put on this list. Sure, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, and a few other noirs, but this is one I'd really, really recommend. And I would be shocked to sit down and talk to Paul Feig and say, okay, tell me Gene Tierney is not a model of, of Blake Lively's character. Right, uh, right. Because it, it's so close to, obviously, you know, Blake Lively isn't, you know, doing some murdering. I mean, well, I, it's not true. Um, but she's, <laughs> she's not, it's not as like, I'm trying to do all this for the specific, uh, she is. Okay, so I'm burying myself a hole. But it's, it's obviously not the same terms, but obviously like the reflections of character are very there. Right on. Yeah, no, I, I actually hadn't heard of that one, but um, by the way you describe it, so yeah, good. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so good. Right on. Um, okay, well, my next one is, and again, like I said, this is where I start to go downhill, so I should preface this by saying uh, I love this movie up until like the fifth twist, you know what yeah. I mean? And that is the problem with, with the movie for me. I, I still liked it quite a bit, but... I didn't. I stopped short of loving it because the end just starts to go too far off yeah. the rails. There's just too many twists, and uh, so my next puzzle piece. Really, you could replace this with any movie that has way too many twists. But The Village, okay, <laughs> M Night nice. Shyamalan, yeah, yeah, um, yeah no, just it just goes too far overboard. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's like, did it need to go where it goes? I don't think it did. I think they could have just and cut you know what i mean where where they were uh probably a solid 15 20 minutes before so so i mean i don't know if you want to wait and hold it off a little bit but can i mean can you allude to like where you what kind of what ending you were looking for like where would you be satisfied because like i know for our buddy josh Mm -hmm. he starts falling off board when the twin is murdered and things like that and all that kind of goes into it i don't mind that um but and maybe not even so much the amount of twists as mm-hmm. much as just how quickly we go through them. Yeah. If they don't even get time to settle. Like by the end of the movie, you're kind of like, wait, what's going on? Yeah. Like who's in, who's on whose side now? Yeah. And you know, the, the, the fake gunshot and all that stuff. Yeah. It just kind of goes really out there and it really doesn't feel satisfying. You know, I think <clears throat> to me, the way that I had to take it was, and sorry for taking over your puzzle piece. Oh no, that's fine. But I, the way that I had to kind of digest it was that maybe Paul Feig is kind of, taking not so much a jab, but, you know, a light spoof on mm. Gone Girl and Girl on a Train. It's funny you say that. I have that written down okay. that it's almost like a parody yes. of Gone Girl yes. in quite Which a few ways. Which I don't think it's it goes to the extent where I'd call the whole movie that way. Right, yes, yeah, more than And that. I think that's the problem is that he doesn't play the rest of the movie that way. Yeah. So then to throw the ending that way is really hard for people to kind of switch gears. Yeah. You know, I think in answer to your question, um, I think if you take out the whole twins thing, um, and literally paste the ending with the fake gunshot and the recording and all that earlier, 
Yeah. It doesn't actually change anything. Yeah. You know, those are like the whole thing is like almost twist for the sake of twists. You yeah. know what I mean? And if, if she just, just ends up the, the body in the beginning, right. If yeah, she just don't. ends up alive and shows up and gives her a little speech, but Oh, we've been recording it. You know what yeah. I mean? You've got yourself a solid ending. And that just you know? so Yeah. And that was just so such a letdown. Yeah. Like, okay, so this is it. We're just going to like, you know, and yeah. that's when for me, that's not even to the point where he really loses me. It's after that point where the movie really loses me. When Blake Lively is hit by a car and it turns into like a Melissa McCarthy gag <laughs> right. and she like does these somersaults and I'm just like, okay, like that felt really out of place in this sure. really like very serious movie. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not meant to be taken as fully serious. I mean, the movie, I laughed a lot, which yeah. I was really surprised at. I laughed probably more than I was like have moments of tension a lot of good supporting characters too yeah. some of the comedians that were like friends and stuff yeah no yeah. of course yeah yeah <laughs> i know yeah um and uh you know and then we have this weird ending with um with you know some text and then we cut to oh, like yeah. lively in prison and it is the weirdest thing ever and i was just like yeah come on man like that's not needed at all there's no reason like there's not even a good joke in there to I, keep it in there except that she like assumingly turns into a stereotype of what a female prisoner is yeah and it just feels so awful and i was just like why do we end there i actually forgot about that until just it's now good. You, about and you're, that. it's good that you forgot i wish paul feig would have forgot that. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that ending, uh, very strange with the text and all that stuff, and then her yeah. in prison. That's very, very weird. Yeah, no, and you know, and so up to that point, okay, you know, just kind of. I mean, obviously, um, not as 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 tight as searching, but I'm like, all right, I, you yeah. know, you you, you kind of went a little crazy, you know, you you went on automatic here, but um, I'm with you. And then we just really throw it out the window, and then I'm just, it's hard, it's hard to defend, and that's kind of such a bummer because yeah. the entire movie beforehand, oh, so good up until, um, yeah, it's so strong. I do my movie reviews with a buddy named James Shu, who's not, a, we will tell you, he's not a professional critic by any means. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't criticize or anything like that, and he just watches movies and he'll rate them on a ten scale. And he told me he was in love with the movie until the end, and the ending was such a put off for him, yeah, that he wouldn't recommend it. And I, you know, that's a bu- to me, I think I'm kind of sticking it out more because I think the movie reflects a lot of great classic cinema. Sure. So I think it's worth people seeing, but I totally get that. A general audience, I think someone of a general audience to go see that movie and to expect a Gone Girl type ending or a Girl on the Train like twist where, of course, it's outrageous, but it makes sense and it works and it's shocking. Yeah. To get that ending, I think, is going to put a lot of people off. And I've not really followed up to see how people react to it, Mm. but uh, I'm really curious because I could see like someone um like my mom or someone or, or you know her and her friends going to see this movie and being into it and then being so lost at the end and like, right. just like what that they don't <laughs> like the movie and that's a bummer because the rest of the movie is great and i mean it's really great filmmaking absolutely uh, for 90 percent of the movie yeah yeah no it's it's, it's a shame that i it had goes to go i mean we rails. needed to talk about it absolutely we both had that problem so. absolutely i i completely <laughs> agree with you <laughs> um so uh did you have another puzzle piece so pretty much i at this point i was like okay i'm i'm digging a hole so i might as well just just say noir films in general okay yeah. you know and in hitchcock you know i pretty much would just kind of throw those two uh in as as my kind of final puzzle pieces and i could have separated them out but it's hard because they both kind of represent the same thing right like sure as i was just alluding to most of this movie is a reflection on you know one of the greatest classics in my genres there is and you know though noir will uh, sometimes pops up and kind of comes back to cinema in really cool ways or uh presented in, in new styles 
it is is a really really great avenue uh, to get people to watch some older stuff and to watch some really great movies out of the 40s and 50s and turn on channel TCM and which I'm all about, you know. Um, again, you know, uh, if you listen to our searching episode, you would know that Dave and I don't really know each other super, super well on a mm-hmm. personal level, but I'm a big just, you know, I mean, my, I would say my favorite genre is silent film. I'm really into the, the classic cinema. So any opportunity that someone can watch something that gives them that interest to open up a door to older stuff, you know, there's nothing more irritating to me than when someone's like, ah, I don't want to watch it. It's too old. Right. You know, because there's so much great stories and there's so, I mean, like if people like Gone Girl, I don't see how they don't like, you know, double leak unless it's the fact that it's black and white or they just, you know, because there is the exact same thing. I mean, it is a, this is a murder mystery with a great twist. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for me, I find that as rewarding because it's reflective of that and it's really good filmmaking and they take those tones and, and implement it into a comedy with Anna Kendrick in a modern time. Uh, but also because it opens up the door for people to go see some classic stuff. And the reason why noir, you know, I mean, obviously this movie is noir. I mean, it has these dark mysteries. It has these conspiracies, these these players who are all playing a game. There is obviously this, um, I guess you would kind of say this uh, sexual trait uh, where, where, you know, uh, things are women, you know, these characters play these very sex symbol-esque characters. I mean, not, not yeah, sex symbol is probably a bad word, but they have, the, there's these sexy characteristics of these, not just people but the movie just kind of has this feel of of bad and you shouldn't be doing this it's like right. it's like the idea of like the affair right because most sure. of these movies revolve around the affair you know the the mistress the temptation all of these elements um are, are part of the noir and um of course the mystery and the thrill um all are are, are essential to tell this movie but uh, you know essential to tell this whole genre and it's ref- reflected in hitchcock mm-hmm. you know um what do you do before you kill off marion crane you show her in the shower right, right. i mean it, it is this weird kind of blend uh of sex and death yeah and i'm not saying like that to, in, in the vulgar sense of like you know has to be necessarily sex but just elements of sexuality sure and like you pointed out her there you know in talented mr ripley there's these kind of um elements of homosexuality you know we have that kiss between mm-hmm. um Emily and Stephanie, which doesn't really go anywhere, but there is that kind of element of attraction. And then there's, of course, the, uh, you know, sexual relationship between Sean and mm-hmm. Emily and Sean. Oh, and, and the Stephanie. incest as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> which, honestly, I just forgot until you brought that yeah. up, which is a big part of that. And it's this weird, um, you know, kind of uncomfortable part of the movie, which, ah, man, I totally forgot to bring that to even think about that. I'm sure there's some good puzzle pieces there somewhere. Sure. Um, but there is like these weird um, explorations between sex and death. And, and, you know, I mean, how does she tell that story of her brother and that incest is that her brother's dead? Yeah. You know, like it's so intertwined. And I think that's kind of really reflected in noir. Obviously not as graphic or intense back in, in the 40s and the 50s. Um, but it is this kind of this this alluring factor yeah. that both death and sex seem to have. And I think that's really represented well in this movie and just classic noirs. Maybe the graphic again is is not as intense or or as uh, in your face, but I think there is that kind of attraction, that temptation element that's really really essential, and in both that genre and this movie. Absolutely, and I and I think uh, Paul Feig does a great job of of uh, balancing that. Yeah, no, you know? totally agree, and, I, and, yeah. I, and you know, and good for Paul Feig because you know I think you know a lot of people get on filmmakers for you know making something that's different and bad, 
Yeah. And I wouldn't call Simple Favor bad. I'd actually call it quite good. I think yeah. the ending just kind of really goes off the rails. Maybe it, whether it be him kind of being afraid that his audience wouldn't be into it, so he kind of puts his old spin on it. Sure. Um, or maybe just as a reminder, like, hey, this is the guy who brought you these kind of movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know. And in that sense, it kind of works. But um, I wasn't a fan. Uh, but either way, like, good for him to, like, really kind of change up everything that he's brought to us before. Sure. And really brought out, you know, this very, very cool classic cinema uh, representation. Cool. Well, uh, I got one more puzzle piece that I had forgotten to mention earlier, so I'll, I'll mention it now before we do our finished puzzle. Um, and just like you had mentioned Hitchcock as as a puzzle piece, uh, I'm going to mention another uh, auteur, yes. uh, Judd Apatow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but maybe maybe you could argue that Paul Feig is his own version of that to, to begin with, but I mean, still you've got these characters who have these, uh, these relationships. There's, there's a lot of just shit talking between them and yeah, all that no, stuff no, for sure. yeah and, and i mean that's a very real uh version of friendship that mm-hmm. you know definitely reflects the way people are you yeah. know and uh judd apatow that's kind of his bread and butter and i think that reflects here a yeah, lot no i could totally relate to that because i tell everyone you know um you know that i care about you because i pick on you right like, you know that's <laughs> how i show my affection is i'm gonna make fun of you yeah if i'm not and i'm being polite chances are you know we're, we're just not that cool yet but, right right um <laughs> no and i think you know that really you know that's a, it's, a, it's a very interesting puzzle piece you know because that is really reflected here uh judd apatow stuff who i'm again mostly a fan of you know yeah. of course he has a few bumps in the road sure and i've liked stuff that apatow's done that most people don't like i was a big fan of this is 40 no i most love people, that movie yeah which yeah. most people don't like it i think it's a you know, really great film, but you know, again, this movie really is kind of this really, really, um, I guess, I mean, I, I, they don't really have a term for a bromance between females. Maybe sure. they do, and I don't know what it is, Yeah, but that's, that is, I mean, the first half of this movie is kind of based on these two opposites. Like, and I love you, man, in a serious tone, like yeah, really yeah. nerdy guy who needs friends mm-hmm. and this guy who's just really cool. Hey, and he there wants you go. Friend. Yeah. There's, I another, love you, there's man. a bonus one. I love you, man. I'm literally um, writing it down right now. <laughs> um, you know, and, 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 and rather it be in a comedic way. Um, there is this really great friendship in this kind of, uh, cis mance. I mean, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's the right term. Um, <laughs> But this really great friendship that's really kind of starts out that makes this movie feel like a comedy and really opens up all these doors and kind of seeing that develop is, is a really great part of this movie. Sure. And their friendship really is a big part of, of enjoying this movie because I'd say the first 30 minutes really is just seeing them as complete opposites and how they differ, yeah. how they kind of start picking each other's attributes up and things like that. And then that's definitely reflective in, in Apatow's work. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, cool. Well, let's um, let's do our finished puzzle here. Our finished puzzle, of course, started with Gone Girl and the Girl on the Train. Um, also, Big Little Lies, Gaslight, Diabolique, uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Lifetime Movies, uh, <laughs> Lever to Heaven, Noir Films in General, Hitchcock Films, uh, Judd Apatow Films, I Love You Man, and The Village. The village. I'm yeah. telling you, so I, we talked about it a bit in the searchings, but I was thinking about it a bit more. Um, so what you basically need to do is you just need to, to purchase these movies mm-hmm. and like purchase the DVDs and then do like the blind book thing. Have you seen that? Where they like, they wrap the books in cardboard and they just describe it oh. in a few sentences and then people buy them blind. Oh, that's So you basically just need to start selling movies like that or figure out a way that you could blind book people with these movies. Like, nice. So these are the list of puzzle pieces. This is what this movie is and then they unwrap it and they find a simple 
simple favor would be so awesome. That's cool. I like <laughs> it. I like it. Yeah, get a little artistic, drawing the <laughs> yeah. thing. You know, that'd be fun. <laughs> right on. So uh, yeah, I mean, we we've kind of talked about it throughout the whole episode, but um, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's a a great movie until it's not. But, you know, and I think we're both in complete agreement on that. Um, but overall, I mean, you were saying about whether or not uh, one of your friends said they can't recommend it and one said, yes, they do. I, I think I fall on the do recommend um, because it really is great up until it starts to fall apart. Yeah. And for that, I mean, great performances by Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. Uh, also, Henry Golding does great in it as yeah. well. And I mean, and like I said, all the supporting cast, I mean, there's really a lot to love about it. Um and overall, overall, I liked it. You know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I would definitely be on on the terms of recommending it. You know, uh, it's like taking a test, and the and, and the student just bombs that one section that he doesn't fill out at all. Yeah, and that's what it feels like. <laughs> and you know, that's okay. He still gets a ninety five, or I fills mean, it out with you know. seven answers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, the ending really kind of does take your loop, and I think it's not even so much bad filmmaking as terms is just. We've come to expect something from these movies of how a movie should end, yeah. and it doesn't give us that. And again, that could be intentional. And like sure. this reflected, it could be in the terms of like satire and spoof, but it's so jarring for people that I think it's just hard to digest, and that kind of really puts them off. And you know, um, I think in another movie that those those parts work, yeah, but just not in this movie. Exactly. So I wouldn't even call it bad filmmaking. It's just such a change in, in, in everything pace yeah. style that it's just, it feels like it doesn't belong there. But again, um, it's not bad in terms of like, Oh, this is, I mean, like the performances start getting worse or any, any of that. It just, it right, completely right. changes tone. Exactly. Um, so again, I'd still recommend it, but I guess if, if you are more in someone who wants a close knit, uh, well, hopefully if you're listening to this, you've already seen it, but sure. <laughs> um, I, I would recommend, you know, if you like a close in editing, this isn't what it's going to give you. I think I would just give people that caveat. Um, but it, there's so much more to dive into and enjoy in this movie. It'd be hard not to recommend it. Sure. And I got to say also, uh, as we wrap this thing up, um, our finished puzzle list, you really gave me a good list of movies that I have never seen here oh, yeah, that I yeah. need to watch. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Some, some really great ones. So, uh, I uh, would like to uh, plug anything before we wrap this thing up. Uh, yeah, so you could find all of my movie reviews weekly at ChasingCinema.com. I'm also on 90.5 KLUC for my local listeners. Uh, um, oh, your local listeners. <laughs> <laughs> on 90.5 KLUC uh, on Friday mornings at 8.45 to about 9 o'clock in between that kind of time frame. And uh, I'm also the a e Senior Staff Writer for the UNLV Free Press. You can find all of my articles uh, for arts and entertainment at UNLVFreePress.com. Right on. Well, again, I want to thank you for being here no, again. Sir, thank you. It was a blast. I've had I've had a great time. Awesome. Hopefully, we'll do it again, man. Yeah, of course. Are you addicted to classic TV shows? Did you spend the 80s sitting in front of the boob tube? Then join us for TV Tangents, where we examine television of the 20th century with barely any contemporary context. Visit Shout Engine, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, and look for TV Tangents.
All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about a simple favor. Um, and also I want to uh, congratulate myself on not calling it a simple plan even once. Uh, I think I said that like three times. I said it to the person at the ticket counter. I said it to myself in my head multiple times. I think I wrote it down once. Yeah, I, I had a lot of trouble with this title. But uh, yeah, good movie. Like I said, a few issues, but uh, definitely worth seeing. And thanks again to co-host Jacob Toronto. Definitely check out his website, ChasingCinema.com, and check out all of his other uh, movie critic-related stuff that he does. And hopefully we'll get him back again soon. That would be great. Uh, But for now, we have a whole bunch of movies we want to do episodes on, so I would not expect any break in episodes. We're going to be recording one this week. Uh, possibly two this week, actually. And then we got First Man coming up, which I know I should be doing, uh, and a bunch of other movies. There's so many movies coming up over the next few weeks, and we're going to cover as many as we can. So I hope you're enjoying the show. You can rate and review us on iTunes. You can just tweet at us at PiecingPod. Join the Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group. And you can always just straight up email me if you want to get in touch. ByDavidRosen at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you're thinking of the show. And with that, I will close out this show by reminding you that my new music video, Artificial, is out now. It's available on my YouTube channel, uh, Music by David Rosen, and I'll have a link to it in the show notes as well. Uh, But it's pretty easy to search for Music by David Rosen. You'll find it. And uh, I'm going to leave you with the piece of music. I haven't decided what yet, so I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I don't know. I'm going to... Put a song in here at the end, and uh, that'll be it for today. But we will be back really soon with another episode, and thanks for listening.
and all points west. 